0: Andrew Techley Sunberg, the 20 year old killed by Minneapolis Police last week, is an uncashed lottery ticket. Meanwhile, Arabella Yarbrough, the woman Techley almost murdered, is an inconvenient truth. She represents the intentional collateral damage of the 8 year old Black Lives Matter movement. She's displaced from her home. She and her children will live with the trauma caused by Techley for the rest of their lives. Black neighborhoods are less safe today than they were eight years ago when three lesbian activists started Black Lives Matter in reaction to the death of Trayvon Martin. Black lives haven't been protected. Black violence has. Black violence matters. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Monday. Uh, we made it through another great weekend. I hope you made the most of your weekend. I certainly made the most of mine. I like walk 10 miles Saturday and Sunday combined. I'm feeling great. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, I lost weight this week. I, I've, I've moved away from the scale. Uh, and haven't weighed in almost two weeks, but uh, I think things are going well. I'm still eating uh, pretty healthy, and I'm certainly exercising and moving around. Anyway, I had a great weekend. I hope you did too. Uh, and I think we're gonna have a great and awesome show uh, today. Royce White, Jamika Michelle, Delano Squires uh, will be here uh, to join me today. And we're gonna get to the bottom of uh, a fire that I wanna start about the latest events in Minneapolis, uh, you know, in George Floyd's uh, Minneapolis, the, the Minneapolis we now know after George Floyd. So uh, let's get this fire started and then we'll bring in a Minneapolis native and resident, uh, Royce White, to help me unpack this uh, conversation in full. Uh, but let's get it rolling. It's time for a name change. Black violence matters. Reaction to the death of Techley Sunberg lays bare the true mission statement of Black Lives Matter. The hashtag movement is dedicated to legitimizing and legalizing black violence, particularly violence that victimizes poor black people. BLM does not care about the lives of black people. The hashtag is the modern day KKK hood, a disguise to conceal the bigotry, depravity and greed of its supporters. Ben Crump is BLM's imperial wizard, the mush mouthed imbecilic southerner profiting from the peculiar institution of anti-black discrimination. Crump fashions himself as a civil rights attorney, a descendant of Thurgood Marshall and Martin Luther King Jr. Crump is actually Frankenstein, the low IQ creation of Johnny Cochran and Al Sharpton. Marshall and King fought for the rights of working class black people interested in pursuing the American dream. Cochran and Sharpton ballooned their bank accounts fighting for the rights of criminals interested in evading responsibility for their immoral deeds. Crump's latest clients are the adoptive parents of Andrew Techley Sunberg, a 20-year-old man made slippers killed after a six-hour standoff. Sunberg shot up an apartment building. His bullets pierced a female neighbor's home. The woman was inside cooking dinner for her two children, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. The woman is mixed race. Her kids have a black father. Techley Sunberg nearly murdered three black people, a woman and two children. Police killed a domestic terrorist. The grand wizard of black violence matters had a different take on the actions of law enforcement, tweeting, This is Techley Sunberg. Minneapolis Police Department killed this smart, loving, and artistic 20-year-old after an hour's long standoff while he was experiencing a mental health crisis. We need answers from MPD as to why Techley's mental health crisis became a death sentence. The answer is simple. Techley nearly took the lives of a woman and two children, and his actions made it clear he cared far less for his life than the lawyer who can profit from his death. It's really that simple. But we live in an era of organized chaos and anarchy and confusion. So over the weekend, Sunberg's adoptive parents and Black Violence Matters protesters staged a rally at the scene of Techley's suicide by cop. To their credit, uh, Techley's parents, his adoptive parents, uh, consented to an interview while protesting his death. Take a listen for yourself. My heart goes out for that woman. She went through a very traumatic event with those bullets coming through our house uh, that that'll affect it for the rest of her life it'll affect her children for the rest of the life and it, I am so sorry it happened it is it is two different instances it's the shots coming through her house
1: and what we're here for is the
2: shot by the Minneapolis police died and I I hope that we can support her. I mean, she is she is in great pain. It's obvious she's in great pain. She had the courage to come down here and speak her mind, and she has every right to do that. And I you know I don't know what else to
0: say, but um, God be with her.
3: Thanks. I wish I could wrap my arms around her and tell her I am so sorry. I am so sorry she had to experience that. I am so sorry for her pain. And I just grieve for her also. And know that we as it, the imperfect human, as we're all imperfect humans. And he did not deserve to be picked off like an animal so He deserved to be able to attack this with her and race it that was great power. But he did not deserve
2: the and race breaks, breaks, breaks for her and her pain. And and
3: she lived no, here she was still living here. We would never ever no, we did not know a pastor, we would not ever have subjected her to this. Shut it I'm down. So sorry.
0: He did not deserve to be picked off like a, a dog or an animal or whatever. Uh look, he put himself in that position. Techley did that, not the cops, not Arabella uh, Yarbrough. Techley did that. That was assisted suicide. That was suicide by cop. The rally that they participated in justifiably infuriated Arabella Yarbrough, the mom, nearly killed by Techley. She confronted her protesters in one of the greatest moments in the history of Black Lives Matter. Take a listen.
3: There was casings in the hallway. The shot went through my door to the pillar to the kitchen. I
0: was cooking food for my kids. He's dead now, so that can't happen. It shouldn't, know. it doesn't matter. He shouldn't have been dead. Y'all should have came and
3: helped him when he was alive. That man was armed. George Floyd was not armed. Breonna Taylor was not armed. Amir Lockett, he was armed and he had his own guns, but they came into his home while he's licensed to carry and killed him. He did not shoot fire.
0: I absolutely loved her point to the protesters that invaded her neighborhood and are deifying, celebrating this techly sunburn. Y'all should have been here and helped this man long before he opened fire on me and my kids. Where were y'all then? And she ain't talking to the adoptive parents. And again, those adoptive parents, I have some sympathy for, they adopted a four year old Ethiopian kid and you know, Godspeed, God bless them. Sure they had great intentions. They clearly, and I'm sorry for saying this, but they clearly failed in some, capacity. Maybe they adopted too many kids. Cause I think they had three of their own and adopted three or four or five others or whatever. Maybe they took on too much because they certainly failed here. If my son, and again, I'm not a parent. Those of you who are, check me if I'm wrong. But if my child opened fire in an apartment building and nearly killed a woman and two kids, and I'm just sorry, I'm not throwing a pity party. If I'm throwing a pity party, it's for that woman and two kids that were nearly killed. But I loved her point about where were y'all before all of this? Because again, there, there's other uh, comments she made that, that were not showing where she said, every night this dude played the loud, he basically terrorized that apartment building, according to Ara- Arabella Yarbrough. This dude was a menace and nobody throwing pity parties, no one coming to help, no one coming to help her out or to quiet this nut job down. Or to check on him uh, when he was terrorizing everybody in that apartment building. But see, there was no money to be made or attention to be gleaned when Techley Sunberg was alive and breathing. When he was alive, he was just the black Ethiopian kid adopted by well-meaning white folks when he was four years old. Now that he's dead, Black Lives Matter Minnesota can raise money off his sanitized memory, and Crump can negotiate a financial settlement with the city for his death. Techley is an uncashed lottery ticket. Arabella Yarbrough is an inconvenient truth. She represents the intentional collateral damage of the eight-year-old Black Lives Matter movement. She's displaced from her home. She and her children will live with the trauma caused by Techly for the rest of their lives. Black neighborhoods are less safe today than they were eight years ago when three lesbian activists started Black Lives Matter in reaction to the death of Trayvon Martin. Black lives haven't been protected. Black violence has. BLM is an organization dedicated to protecting violent black criminals. It's a gang funded by American corporations, marketed as a civil rights movement by corporate media, supported by celebrity elites, and used by middle-class blacks to climb the corporate ladder. It's a hustle founded on lies. Trayvon Martin nearly beat George Zimmerman to death. Michael Brown, bullied a store clerk, tried to take a police officer's weapon, and then charged at Darren Wilson. Breonna Taylor's boyfriend shot a police officer in the leg, sparking the deadly confrontation. Rayshard Brooks fired a taser at police. Jacob Blake resisted arrest and grabbed a knife. George Floyd overdosed on drugs. Police are not infallible. They make fatal mistakes and sometimes they intentionally do harm. But let's stop pretending the main mission of Black Lives Matters is to protect Black lives. That's a joke. The mission is to destabilize communities, undermine law enforcement, and empower criminals. It's working. Fewer men and women want the responsibility of policing single-parent Black communities, and major cities in general. It's thankless work, thankless high-risk work. Arabella Yarbrough's frantic screams are the byproduct of a corrupt civil rights movement. The movement cares more about the safety of criminals than women and children. That's my fire. I'm bringing in Royce White because I think this all connects to uh, a point that Royce loves to make. There is no sacred honor. I'm looking at people out in the streets celebrating Techley Sunberg, who through his mentally unstable behavior, endangered the lives of a woman and a two and a four year old child. Men used, there used to be a sacred honor about protecting women and children. That is all gone now. All, it's gone. And, and I've talked about this before, but uh, I just want to reference it again. Go look at the Titanic. Go look at the, not the movie Titanic, but the real statistics about the Titanic. Some of it's captured in the movie. But the percentage of women who survived the Titanic versus the percentage of men, that was in an era when men felt they had a sacred honor and duty to protect women and children. And so the vast majority of women and children, regardless of class, no matter where they were stationed on that boat, they survived because men sacrifice their lives to protect women and children. That era is over. We have no sacred honor. We're not about protecting women and children. There are a segment of women, feminists, that think they don't need our protection. And this is the world that they're creating, where a Techley Sunberg can snap, open fire an apartment building, and, and nearly kill a woman and kids. And again, th- there are images that one of these television networks shows where I'm like, you could see this woman's door shot up, things inside her home shot up, real damage done by these bullets. And we're throwing a pity party for Techley Sunburn? Really? We're questioning the, the police? debated for six hours what to do with this idiot. I-, I want to applaud the police for their restraint and then finally putting this idiot down. And I'm sorry if that makes me sound uh, soulless or no compassion, but it's like, I want to celebrate the dude in Greenwood, Indiana. That, that killed the, the wannabe mass shooter at Greenwood Park Mall uh, yesterday. Hats off to you. Protect those innocent people. Because again, what I don't wanna see, and this is the position we put police in, in Uvalde, the police do nothing. They sit there paralyzed, worried about their own safety, worried about what blame they're gonna take, Worried about the health of the mass shooter. And so they do nothing. They sit paralyzed for 70 minutes and do nothing. And now they're getting ripped and shredded. They just had a press conference yesterday shredding them for all the systemic failures. The systemic failure is the culture we've created. We're baiting men into being cowards. We've created a culture where law enforcement has to second guess themselves at every turn when confronting criminals. This is on purpose. This is organized chaos and anarchy. If you tear down respect for law enforcement and make them second guess themselves and make them stand down, you're turning loose every techly sunberg in every neighborhood, in particularly in single parent neighborhoods where there are no, where there's no, there's less supervision in poor communities. You're making women and children in poor environments more vulnerable to predators. And so, there's two reasons uh, I wanted to bring uh, Royce on today. He can handle both discussions. Obviously, the sacred honor thing, I want to make a part of it. But two, this is right here in Minneapolis. Royce and I have gone back and forth and continue to have a discussion about George Floyd. And Royce was instrumental in, in the initial, some of the initial protests surrounding George Floyd. Royce has a narrative that I respect about this in terms of we don't want the government to have too much power and the ability to, to harm its citizenry without being questioned. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, and this is the discussion I wanna, I just think we've gone too far. I, I, I don't, having had a family member killed by law enforcement, a family member that I helped raise, a family member whose funeral I paid for, a family member who I shed tears over. I'm not coming at this topic from a distance. I'm not some celebrity shedding fake tears and pretending like I can relate. Anton Butler was my cousin. His mama was my first cousin, raised up with me like a child, like we were brothers and sisters. I knew this boy when he was in diapers. Brought him to my house in Kansas City every summer. We read books together. We all of it. Bought him school clothes, Christmas gifts, all of it. He was killed by law enforcement in 2012 in what we believe was an unjustified manner by sheriffs. So, I'm not coming at th- I know the pain Not Michael Brown. I'm not a parent. Not Michael Brown's parents or Trayvon Martin wasn't killed by police, but killed. I I know what it's like to lose a young person. My cousin was 26. I know what it's like to lose a young person who was caught up in the criminal justice system. My cousin was on parole. He was a good kid, a good person. I get all of it but we have gone too far with this mess. Black Lives Matter is a lie and a joke, and it's all about protecting a criminal element so that there's more violence, more chaos in poor black communities. Royce White, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, Have we gone too far? Uh, with the celebration and protection of, of, of violent criminals in this country?
1: Well, I think there's there's multiple issues here. And first things first, Black Lives Matter likes their black men, dead, gay, sold out or on the wrong end of sexual harassment allegations or, or Me Too allegations. So, I mean, that the, the Black Lives Matter piece is a foregone conclusion. Black Lives Matter, the, the organization is corrupt as the day is long. The question isn't whether or not people are too distrusting of the police. The question is why we believe that the police can ensure our security at all. And, and even on the Republican side, on the conservative side, on the right side of the political spectrum, I continue to have a problem with the premise that more policing is going to create safer communities uh, uh, without any type of spiritual or cultural shift. You can't legislate morality. You can't you can't create morality by fiat and and that's my problem and i think that's the more genuine american perspective around building communities and keeping communities safe and healthy we have to start with the cultural and the spiritual and this is a perfect this is a perfect example actually and i love what 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 the what the young woman said about and creating the distinction about george floyd and brianna and some of the other cases in this one We do not accept in modern America the price that comes along with having a country, a sovereign country, states and local communities the way we want to have them, the way we want to live here in America. There is a price to our freedom. And one of the prices is you're not going to be able to avoid all of the suffering and conflict and tragedy that that comes along with having people who suffer from things like mental illness, who suffer from things like, um, you know, drug use and addiction and, and, and a whole host of other problems. But here's here's the danger that that's presented in these situations with the state. Here's the three card Monty, as I always like to say. We need more background checks because mental illness is rampant throughout the country. And with without strict background checks, we create the opportunity for people like this to have weapons and endanger other innocent bystanders in the community. But these situations are anomalies. And what they'll do is they'll use this as a way to expand the, the definition of mental illness with regards to what constitutes you not being able to own a weapon. They said that Donald Trump was mentally ill. They'll say that you're mentally ill for believing that the January 6th people are being mistreated. They'll say that I'm mentally ill for believing that climate change has become somewhat of a scam in the geopolitics. So my point is that we are engaged in an information war with the establishment, and we have to be very careful how we, how we, perceive the things that are going on and how we shape them in the, the things that we discuss going forward. And, and Black Lives Matter out of it. The policing is an example of the state's expansion of power. We don't want more policing. We want young men like this to have spiritual and psychological health coming up in, in communities. And all of these politics and, and all of these cultural institutions that preside over us they like that people have unchecked uh, despair, unchecked anxiety, unchecked identity issues, unchecked materialism. It creates the perfect storm for a young man to, to lose his mind and be shooting in one of his neighbors. That's what we have to solve. And the police are not never going to solve that if a man snaps and he loses his mind, shoots his wife and kids, the police are always going to respond after the fact. And that's never going to ensure safety. We have a retroactive justice system, not proactive.
0: Got it. And and don't disagree with what you're saying. However, police have to operate in the culture we have created. And let's not Nail it down to this particular case because this is a kid adopted at four years old from Ethiopia. But what we have in a lot of these zip codes and these poor zip codes are communities where police are repeatedly being called into these neighborhoods and communities. They're poor people and single parents and there's a destruction of the family unit. And I. Get, And so until the families put back together, these problems are going to exist. And law enforcement is going to have to police these communities. Because if there's no safety in these communities, it's even harder to rebuild family structure. It's harder for businesses to set up shop there, employment, the whole nine yards. It's just like a repeating cycle. And, And so what I'm saying is I don't I'm just not that interested at this point in second guessing law enforcement. I I I, I I'll second guess politics and politicians, their bosses, but this micromanaging of police and second guessing their encounters with resisting criminals yeah. has gone too far. It's it's a joke, and and no. and for these people to show up in this woman's neighborhood after this dude just tried to shoot her and her two kids is embarrassing. No, it, no, no, and it needs to
1: stop. No doubt, no doubt. Two different things here and it's a pendulum. And this is how this is how the system hijacks circumstance and weaponizes against the American people. Of course, the protests are ridiculous. How the cops handled this one person is completely warranted, and many of how many many situations of how the cops handle uh, citizens is warranted, especially when there is an active shooter and other people's lives are in danger. You're going to have an exchange of gunfire with the police. That that is what that is what it is. That is properly handled, in my opinion. Um, and and I think there are times like U- Uvalde where the cops have been conditioned to not act as quickly as they should, but don't ever mistake the fact that the encroachment or the way that police handle citizens every day in the community is a a, uh, is a part of the other end of the spectrum of law enforcement and the security state that will surveil you that is surveilling you currently and when necessary they will use the same law enforcement's agencies to, uh, to violate the Constitution, like they're doing with the people from January 6th, like they're doing with the moms who didn't wanna have their children vaccinated or question the LGBTQ curriculum at schools and they're being put on domestic terrorist lists. Who do you think is gonna execute those warrants or the surveillance or the or the confrontation or conflict with those types of federal government agencies or initiatives? The police or the FBI, Or or Homeland Security. I mean, it's all a part of one branch of law enforcement and, and a security state. And what I opt for is not to disagree with you. I opt to say that, yeah, we've created a terrible culture for the police and it's unfair that we ask them to police it. American citizenship is based on individualism and freedom there is going to we decided to have a radical materialist soulless godless country we decided to have a country where people have no morals and ethics and values we the american people decided that it's not to place on to a a third party law enforcement protectorate we have to solve that issue culturally and we should have to defend ourselves in the interim so just because you're not a criminal. You participated in that system and that decay of culture, getting, getting, you know, getting rich, getting famous. Uh, well, whatever the case may be, don't be thinking that the cops are going to come make sure your community's safe. You go out, you buy a firearm, you go shoot at the range every weekend, and if your neighbor gets out of line and pops off and puts your family in danger, you protect your family. That's my idea of being an American citizen and really enshrining American rights and freedoms.
0: OK, and, and the, the issue that I'm having is take the bodega worker in New York City that got charged with murder when a young man confronts him comes behind the counter and the dude ends up stabbing him in self-defense again and this dude has a criminal rap sheet and they charge the bodega worker for defending himself and so again people that want to defend themselves and and have the, the the balls to defend themselves they're actually putting themselves in jeopardy by defending themselves, and you'll have the Black Lives Matter crowd, the far left, actually defending, oh, you went too far. How come you just didn't talk to the man? How come you didn't call his parents and have him de-escalate the situation? The whole right to self-defense is being undermined by all of this.
1: Well, number one, New York City is, a, is a, a communist city <laughs> so they would charge somebody for defending themselves a, a, a independent shopkeeper that you know with the Second Amendment they would charge they don't want that but all I'm showing you is there's two heads to this to this snake and both ends are trying to eat American freedom and, and individual liberties and and the rights of individual citizens and individual uh, shopkeeping and individual sovereignty both sides are working at the same thing. More policing creates a surveillance state and a super state where you have to give all of your sense of security over to them. And the other end of the coin is. People, um, you know, saying, oh, you know, you, you you can't you can't defend yourself at all. You can't defend yourself. You shouldn't have to defend yourself. Just live your life. You don't need any suffering. You don't need any trials and tribulations. Everything should be should be roses and rainbows. But But both are working at the same end goal that you don't have any real individual rights and that ultimately America loses its identity, its true sense of American identity, which is based on individual rights, individual liberties, and, and placing a premium on the individual having autonomy uh, and, 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 and control over your own destiny. They want you to give your destiny over to a super state that can drive you into the chaos and, and more depravity and sin of Satan. That's their whole goal, whether it's by way of giving your, your security to the cops or whether it's the radical materialism and, and all of the, you know, communist LGBTQ Marxism. It's the same goal. But they they pose as opponents. That's what I'm trying to show people. They're posing as two different ends of the spectrum. Ben Crump is the political negotiator for the Democrat Party that stands out in the crowd with the people and pretends like he's acting in the interest of the people. He's not. All he's doing is is creating an unspoken agreement that in order for black people to have protection against the police, you better vote Democrat. That's all he is. He's a Democrat party shill. The, here in Minneapolis, perfect example, George Floyd gets killed, Ben Crump comes, he calls for all of this accountability with the white mayor, Jacob Fry and Governor Tim Walts, who's also white and you know the whole establishment. And before you know it, nothing happens. George Floyd's family gets, gets a settlement and payout. No, no policies and laws were changed. No, no, and, and Ben Crump never once suggested that black people in our communities should go and get a legal license to carry and should shoot their firearms every day so that they could defend yourself. Because in actuality, if a cop puts your life in danger wrongly, you should have the right to kill and shoot a cop in defense of your own freedom and citizenship if you haven't done anything. Now if you're a criminal and you do it, different different deal and there's a criminal code to deal with that. But if you're an innocent citizen, Jason Wicklock, who gets pulled over and and you have you've done nothing wrong and a cop pulls a gun on you wrongly and you draw your weapon and shoot him, that should be legal under America's uh justice system and 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 premise of the law, but it's not.
0: So I, I, I guess, Royce, the problem I have is that 50 years of life, of, of speeding, of not following every rule that America has, I've, I've had a lot of engagement with police. And, and I've just, I've never, one time in South Carolina, was I mistreated by police but it never got physical no one drew any arms dudes just talked to me crazy and accused me of things for uh, for 30 minutes but all of my engagement with law enforcement for the most part has has gone relatively well i've met some jerks i've killed them with kindness perhaps foolishly i feel like i know how to deal with police that I'm never gonna be in harm's way as it comes to police because, again, I've been arrested for driving on a suspended license. When the cop told me to put my arms behind my back and so he could cuff me, that's what I did. And I got in the back of the car and I spent six, seven hours in jail. I, I just, at, at that time I was, I was kind of a dummy. I was 22, swelled up, you know, bench pressed nearly 500 pounds. If I wanted to, you know, buck with the cops i could have but i just it's it's never been my instinct because i'm not a criminal and so i i feel like we spent so much time worrying about the rights of criminals and and no time what about my concerns primarily a law-abiding citizen other than some speeding did some shoplifting when i was a kid uh, smoke some weed back before weed was legal or whatever but for the most part'm I'm, I'm just a law-abiding citizen I, I don't no one seems to be concerned about protecting me or Arabella Yarbrough. we're concerned about a guy that's shooting up an apartment building and I, I just don't have any sympathy for him at all
1: well I mean, yeah, the, the the sympathy I have for him is is definitely uh, is, is definitely conditional, <laughs> to say the least. Like he yeah, shot at uh, a woman and children. Here, here but here's the, here's the issue. Here's the issue. Yes, and that's completely wrong. And we should always protect the women and children, no doubt. But we have created a society of people who have no faith in God and they are in constant, constant psychological crisis. I was a mental health advocate, so I understand how easy it is for a person to break with reality, to break with any type of sane, rational behavior. It happens all the time, it happens every day. These stories don't make the headlines, but there, there is a, a rise of severe mental illness and psychological crisis, there, that's no doubt. The problem I have is that the establishment set the stage for it. They know it, they funded it, they subsidized it. The Federal Reserve, Wall Street, the political elites in D.C., Hollywood, uh, Big Pharma. Big Pharma. Pharma. They're all in on it. And we continue to buy the product with reckless abandon. So then we want to cry about the women and children being in danger. Oh my goodness, these women and children were in so much danger. Yeah, they were in danger because you want to get high and off. That's the reality. And there is a price, not you, but people in general, the the wide base of people in America, want to get high, work off, feel secure and feel no sense of obligation to any spiritual morals and ethics. This is the consequence. So let's just be honest about it. If we want to live like that in America, let's not pretend that the tragedy and suffering is such a huge burden for us to bear. That's the price we pay. That's what comes along with it. Like they say in sports, that's part of the game. Chuck it up to the game. This man had a psychotic episode. If you're going to randomly shoot anybody who's innocent, much less into a random apartment of your neighbor, so you probably know and have seen, you're, you've you lost your mind. People lose their minds in society. They always have. They always will. But it will be more frequent and, and increasing... Uh, uh, as society continues to go further and further away from spiritual uh, health and cultural and cultural dignity. So it's a part of the game.
0: And yes, I,
1: I'm gonna, yeah.
0: You, you let me off the hook a little bit, but I'm gonna plead guilty because, you know, I spent a lot of years chasing money, uh, chasing cheap orgasms, uh, getting liquored up in nightclubs or whatever. And and you know put my whole spiritual life on the back burner and put a lot of my morality and ethics on the back burner and so I, I get what you're saying and you know I, I contributed a lot of us we all this was the society we all seemed to ante up and invest in and, and so you get what you pay for uh, I, I do I think we have a graphic here. And, and I'm going to let you go here in a second, Royce. But we got a graphic here about the GoFundMe campaigns, I think, for, and and if someone could help me out here, because I at one point, Techley's GoFundMe had far more money than the money for the woman. But I think now she is outpacing him. Let me go see if I can get the, the stats here, because I, I can't see the the screen to tell exactly uh, how much money she's got versus him. Could someone tell me that in my ear or shout it to me? He's uh, got 50,000,
1: I mean, she's got 50,000 and he has 20,000 currently, I think it says.
0: Yeah, 50,000 and 20,000. So uh, I'm, I'm a little further away from the screen than you. But anyway, I, I, I at one point he was outpacing her, but I think her video has connected with so many people. Her reaction uh, has connected with so many people. It's shut down this whole thing in Minneapolis. And I just, I want to ask you this on this, because you're from Minneapolis, you live in Minneapolis. I I, I think because of George Floyd and that summer of George Floyd, there's a unique character uh, to the Minneapolis area as it relates to law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, and And I don't think it's, healthy there. Uh, what, what's what's your thought on policing in the Minneapolis area, and how people feel about law enforcement in the Minneapolis area?
1: Well, I think the defund the police idea was ridiculous from the start. Uh, I think you're right that the defund the police uh, narrative and initiative uh, from Minneapolis all across the country is an effort to proliferate you know, radical, criminal, just violent behavior and and circumstance in our communities, which is going to add more trauma, more distrust, more loss of faith. Um, So I'm completely against that. I think we should refund the police and overhaul police funding. I'm in favor of paying our officers to do the job they're doing uh, in in a much more, you know, in in a much more reasonable way. What they encounter uh, should have them better compensated. Uh, And they should be better supported. Their mental health should be better supported. I talk to police officers all the time because I'm a mental health advocate, and they they have one of the uh, most ransacked professions with radical trauma, PTSD, the list goes on. our community issue is a sacred honor issue. And, and when you said sacred honor, and when I say sacred honor, I mean the values and ethics and morals that we live by, but are willing to die for. And I'm not trying to indict the American people and say that, you know, if you chase cheap orgasms, if you got drunk, if you wanted to be rich and famous, if you, whatever the, you know, only God can judge. All I'm saying is that all of our actions and choices not only as individuals, but culturally as a nation, have led us to a place of consequence. All choices have consequence. And by and large, our modern America made the choice to chase these superficial things. And black people may be more than, than, than anyone. Uh, we, we maybe have the biggest issue with sacred honor. Look, if you take a weapon that you switch from semi-automatic to automatic, and you let off 40 shots, and you hit a four-year-old girl, you're not cool, and you're not tough. You're an idiot. You're a psychopath. And you should probably, you should spend the rest of your life in jail, no doubt. But I would be okay with you being killed as well. Now, some people will say that's radical and, and not sympathetic. All I'm saying is, I don't want the American people to believe, to have a false sense of hope that the United States government and the agencies that hold it up, such as the corrupt security state agencies that killed JFK, that killed Fred Hampton, that, that undermined Donald Trump and, and want to, uh, uh, you know, incarcerate Steve Bannon or Alex Jones. I don't want us as the American people to have a false sense of belief in them or the political or the elected officials that that they choose. I want us to go back to American true American identity, genuine Americanism, where we secure our own freedom as communities that's based on great cultural community health, spiritually and psychologically.
0: Mm. All right. Thank you, Royce. Good job, as always. Uh, You know, I'm going to add this little story before I uh, get to some business here, but this weekend I was watching a Ben Franklin documentary, and this, this may come up in a Firestarter or a monologue later in the week or next week or something, but I was watching this Ben Franklin documentary, and it reminded me of, they were talking about Ben growing up and uh, how much time he spent reading the Bible. And and it reminded me that during that time, during that era, uh, for entertainment purposes, because there weren't PlayStations, there weren't uh, baseball diamonds, there weren't TVs, there weren't smartphones. People actually entertained themselves by reading the Bible. I'm not saying that those guys were perfect, and I know, oh my God, they, they allowed slavery. And so they weren't really Christians, and that, that's an argument. But the reality is that people of that era were experts on the Bible because the Bible was the most prolific book and it was the highest form of entertainment available. That everybody in that era, like, in order. That's what they did in their spare time. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm just saying it was just far more prevalent for people to be well-versed in the Bible because they had nothing else to do. And so we wonder why our founding documents are laced with a biblical worldview is because that's what they had to rely on. There was no Twitter or Facebook to distract you. The Bible was your distraction. And so again, not perfect people, we're all flawed. And yes, slavery was allowed across the globe at that time. But were those people inspired by and well-versed on the Bible, and that's why our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, our Declaration of Independence are laced with biblical principles? Absolutely, and we've got a society now because of all the technology uh, where we've moved away from the biblical worldview, of, of even, verse, even knowing anything really about the Bible, because we entertain ourselves on our smartphones, uh, playing games. Ben Franklin, people of that era, entertain themselves reading the Bible. That was their entertainment. That's what they did for fun. It's interesting. All right, uh, America needs change, but the center of that change has to be the family, your family. We can return to that time with our families and create moments for real conversation, but it's only then we can create the change we want to see. It all starts at the dinner table with time together as a family. Good Ranchers' mission is to bring people to the table. Making those moments around the table easy, accessible, and delicious is what they do best, and it's what they deliver in every single box. Good Ranchers guarantees you 100% American meat, that's born, raised, and harvested here in the United States and delivered to your door. You will know exactly where it comes from and who you're supporting. I've personally tried it and it is awesome. It's not like it's not like one delivery is great and the next isn't. No, every box has superior quality, flavor, and value. The T-bones, burgers, ribeyes, and even the chicken, it's all some of the best. Good Ranchers is a company that supports American agriculture, Plus, they support us and what we do, so go check them out. Support those who support us and our point of view. Make sure to use my code FEARLESS to get $30 off your order, plus get free express shipping. You can make gatherings at the table common again with Good Ranchers. Take advantage of this offer before it's gone. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless to start bringing people to the table, creating change in America, and eating seriously delicious food from Good Ranchers. Shamika Michelle wants me to make something make sense. Next. All right, welcome back. Uh, We got a little twist on make it make sense. Uh, Shamika actually wants me to make something make sense. Uh, That may be difficult for me, but I'll do my best. Uh, Shamika, uh, what do you got? Okay, oh, my Jay. God. I love yeah. my favorite <laughs> Shamika Michelle, Pam Greer Afro Shamika Michelle in yeah. the house. I, I, For a this while. is my favorite version of you. I, oh, thank I, this you. This is my favorite version. Yeah. Thank
3: love you it. so much. <laughs> so, over the weekend, I came across a video of Charles Barkley, which looked to me as if he was bending over for the Alphabet Mafia. As someone who likes Charles, it was very disturbing. So I was hoping that you could make this make sense for me because I was disappointed. I have to say that.
2: I wanna say this.
1: If you're gay and transgender, I love you. Hey, and if anybody gives you shit,
0: you tell him, Charles, that you. Mm. All right, so I think this is kind of calculated uh, what he's doing here, uh, Shamika, and, and full transparency Charles Barkley's a friend of mine. Obviously, I have a bias towards Charles. Uh, I'm a fan and a friend. Uh, but I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be fearless because that's where we are. But this sounds very calculated to me. Let, let, if we unpack this one at a time, if you're gay and trans, I love you. That's a non-controversial statement to me, because basically saying if you're a human being, I love you. And that's a very Christian mentality. And I'm not saying that Charles is some super Christian, but I, I don't I love Gay and trans people, just like I like fat people, just like I like skinny people, just like I like uh, heterosexual people, uh, and you know what? I guess if there's non-binary, they must be binary people. Again, so I—that's I, I, not a real controversial statement. And then he said, if someone's giving you shit, he says, tell him I said f you. And that's another statement. I agree with if someone is giving gay or trans people shit harassing them being abusive to them I'm like screw them that's not the way you should handle it and so I think these are calculated non-controversial statements to win the approval of gay and trans people uh, and because it, it appears like he's saying something Really provocative, and he he's telling uh, everybody, "Stand back!" And I'm in full support. I didn't. I don't hear him saying I'm in full support. And maybe he is. I've seen previous statements from Charles in previous years where he's in full support of all that. But mostly, what I think is going on here, Shamika, is Charles Barkley is in negotiations with uh, the Live golf deal which is backed by Saudi Arabia. It's this Saudi golf league that's competing with the PGA Tour and Charles is in negotiations, he's talked about it, that uh, he may sign a broadcasting deal with this Saudi Arabian golf league. Saudi Arabia obviously uh, is not very open-minded when it comes to gay and transgender issues they stick to their islamic worldview on that issue uh they stick to whatever the quran or whatever their bible is they stick to those values and issues and so i think charles is doing this as a way to distract from the criticism he would get for taking money from saudi arabia millions upon millions of dollars from Saudi Arabia. And so he's getting out in front of that criticism by going to a nightclub and filming himself appearing to give this uh, very passionate endorsement of gay and trans people. And so everybody over Twitter applauds and everybody looks the other way when he accepts 10, 20, 30 million dollars from Saudi Arabia to support their golf league. That's what I think is going on.
3: Okay, well, uh, that I guess that's helpful, Jason, because all I heard initially was I like And I couldn't understand or figure out what was going on. I felt like Cardi B, what was the reason? Like nobody was coming after him, asking him this question. It was just out of the blue. but. So, I'm going to take what you said and try to digest it because, you know, I, I just didn't understand it initially. But thank you.
0: <laughs> Look, and again, I'm friends with Charles Barkley. I have a lot of respect for him. He is, however, an elite and a millionaire elite. He's been an elite athlete since he was about 10 years old, uh, he's been a well compensated elite athlete since he was 18, 19 years old. Uh, and he's been an elite broadcaster uh, for the past 15, 20 years and made millions of dollars. He lives high on the hog. He likes to gamble, uh, you know. And so the globalist is always going to do what's in their financial best interest. And if Saudi Arabia is going to cut him a check, he's going to accept that check. And, and so I, I say that, I don't, I'm not looking to be adversarial with Charles, I'm just being honest. Look, that broadcasting deal, when, when Stephen A. Smith is making $12, $13 million a year, uh, what did Fox just paid Tom Brady, $30, $40 million to be a broadcaster in the future, Troy Aikman, Tony, all these people are making millions and millions of generational wealth from broadcasting, and mm. there's like a competition among that group of who can make more. And so, if Saudi Arabia is going to cut Charles a big check, uh, you know, he, Charles in Charles's mind, what he's thinking is like, I'm going to take this check because Charles is very generous. Very generous, supports a lot of things behind the scenes that people have no idea about. And so Charles thinks I can get this money and I can continue to do more good things. I can continue to live high on the hog. I can make as much money as these other broadcasters. Everybody has a justification. It's just like, it's no different than the mega church that starts bending its values to be more inclusive so the tithing will go up. And so in their mind, it's all worth it, because look at all what we're doing in the community. We can do this after-school program, we can do this. And so everybody starts bending on their values because you know, they think money will fix a deficit in integrity, values, and a biblical worldview. They're all wrong. They're just enriching themselves. Uh, but that's what's going on here.
3: Okay, well, since you know Charles and you all are friends, ask him since he's so generous if he can shoot me a cool meal to wrap my feelings up because I've all I've always looked at him as a man who didn't back down, so now I'm a little hurt, but a little money would cushion those feelings.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure the deal he'll get from Live Golf will uh, help with that. I just saw, and, and thank you, Shamika, I just saw uh, before the show, where I think David Faraday's talking about leaving NBC's golf coverage to join uh, this live golf deal, this Saudi Arabian golf league. Everybody's doing it. Th- this, and again, people. Everybody hates Donald Trump and the America First agenda, but it's playing out right before your eyes. This whole global agenda thing. Now, Saudi Arabia is about to undercut the whole PGA Tour, and I we can all sit back, hey, we don't care. But but Saudi Arabia, go try to be free over in Saudi Arabia. Go try to pull a lot of the stuff we're allowed to do here in America in Saudi Arabia. We're gonna become a part of this whole new world, global agenda, authoritarian, uh, less freedom and rights. That's, they're selling us out. All of it. All right, uh, Delano Squires. Erks. All right, welcome back. Uh, Time to get a little smarter. Let's bring in uh, Delano Squires, Professor D. Uh, has written a column about New Wave. Uh, He called it diversity, equity, and inclusion. I love to call it diversity, inclusion, and equity, Die. Uh, And it was kind of a takeoff on, have you guys seen the picture floating around of the Rachel Levine and I think Sam Britton is, these are Biden government officials uh, that were sent over to France or to meet with the French or whatever uh two they i guess they don't call them transvestites anymore transgenders or what i don't even know what the definition of a trans. drag queens we sent two drag queens over to meet with the people in france uh i i don't this is just a bad look for america and us uh, Delano has a take on it. He goes big picture here. Uh, Delano, I'm gonna let you a- explain your column. I read it, enjoyed it, but uh, no one can explain it better than you. So,
2: step right up to the plate. Sure. So, so Jason, first thing I I know we typically say uh, you know diversity, diversity, inclusion, and equity, but for the sake of brevity, I said let me go with the term that most people know, right, which is DEI. And I explained that first wave DEI, as you said, is diversity, equity, and inclusion, which focuses on race and sex, and um, you know promoting diversity in academia and in the workplace. So I mentioned examples of that would be policies like affirmative action. It could be you know a computer programming camp for black teenagers, or government set aside for women-owned businesses. And even though those things have had um, opponents for a long time, most people, generally speaking, are willing to see the the net of inclusion expanded as long as the, the bar of performance is not lowered. But second wave DEI is very different. And the acronym stands for something different as well. Second wave DEI is about demoralization, extortion, and intimidation. And the purpose of it is to force social change on an unwilling public. So that picture of Dr. Rachel, Dr. Admiral, excuse me, is like a Reverend Doctor in the church. So Dr. Admiral Rachel Levine and Sam Britton um, is uh, the quintessential picture of second wave DEI because what they are doing and, and the leaders of this movement, are, they are forcing an unwilling public, regular people right, who still understand that men are men and women are women. They're forcing all of us Uh, to submit to their their new regime. And uh, even though most people know Dr. Levine, Sam Britton is really the more interesting figure here because Sam Britton has a public profile as uh, a handler in the puppy play fetish scene, right? Sam Britton formerly was an LGBT activist. Uh, This picture shows he looks like Matt Damon in drag, but was an LGBT activist um who was profiled i think in 2016 in metro weekly as part of the puppy play scene so you got a bunch of people who dress up as dogs in leather and chains and sam britton was the guy who uh, played the dominant role and and the point that i'm making in my column is a lot of the the people who go along with this stuff right who call rachel thomas uh rachel levine excuse me uh a woman or i mentioned leah thomas right, the, the pen swimmer, the, the fact that his teammates won't step up and speak out against him is because they've been demoralized. Um, and they know that the, the waves of culture are moving in such a direction that if they did speak up, they would be the ones criticized instead of, instead of Leah Thomas. So uh, in actuality, sort of the, the broad picture of it is the fact that second wave DEI has, has made it so that... Impossible women, right, are more valued than XX chromosome women. It's the first time in human history, Jason, in which a fake commodity is seen as more valuable than the real thing. Mm. The fake Gucci bag more <laughs> valuable than the real Gucci bag.
0: It's it, it <laughs> the other thing you did in your piece, and because I'm reminded of it because I just got done talking to Shamika about it. Mm-hmm. You brought up how like Charles Barkley has you know, hopped on board, Uh, you know, I don't know if he's being extorted or intimidated uh, into it, but I, I, I think it's part of a money grab. He's getting in bed probably with this Saudi Arabian Golf League. But again, this whole demoralization, extortion, and intimidation is having impact across all industries, it's, it's everywhere in American society. You have to jump on board. We have to pretend like Rachel Levine and Sam Britton aren't people mentally confused. We right. have to, well, this is perfectly normal. This, and anybody that has a problem with it, you're the abnormal person. We all gotta hop on board with that or we can't work in corporate America.
2: Co- correct, Jason. And you mentioned that I I, um, I brought up Charles Barkley, right? I know you're your friend, but that video of Barkley declaring his love for um, the LGBT community, particularly, he said, "If you're gay or transgender, that's his version of rolling over and showing his belly, right?" Because again, in in this instance, Sam Britton is 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 the dominant dog, and people like Barkley. All of ESPN, there's not a single guy at ESPN that would actually stand up and say, look, man, we've been, all of us have been in sports our entire life. There's no way that, that males should be playing in female sports. This network and every other network needs to cut this crap out and get back to reality. None of those guys, I don't care how fast they're 40 times, how much they bench, or how high they're vertical, none of those men, not Ryan Clark, not Randy Moss, not Stephen A. Smith, not Mike Wilbon, not a single one of them would utter those words because they know that what would await them when they get back to their desk is a pink slip. So, as, in the same manner, uh, Sir Charles- if They would Char- have
0: to put on, they'd have to put that pink
2: slip on probably too <laughs> ex- ex- to keep exactly. their job. Ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so what Barkley's doing, he's rolling over and showing his belly, and he's showing that he's, he's compliant in, in this new wave. Um, and, and, and one of the things about being demoralized is that it has serious long-term effects on your psyche. When you wake up every day and you mouth words that you don't believe, when Party Central hands down the script, right, and you pick it up and you read it in, in, into the camera like a, like a hostage, that has an effect on your psyche because you know you're not the man that you claim to be. And it doesn't kick, uh, matter how virile or how masculine or how muscular. When you constantly say things that you know are not true, you become smaller and smaller and smaller. It doesn't matter how many women you bed. All of them know that you're a liar. And no man can, can be his full self or woman can be their full self when they make a habit of living in lies. So, so one of the things that I think is necessary is for people to come to a place of truth. Now, towards the end of the article, I say, look, for me, that truth is only found in one source, right? So it, it is having my worldview... Thoroughly grounded in in the scriptures in the person and work of Jesus Christ that allow me to say the things that I know to be true that everyone else Knew to be true up until 2015 But we're at a point now where it really is Christ or chaos because as the waves are going to keep coming And you're going to see more and more people Crashing and falling down and the only thing that gives me hope is knowing that the victory has already been secured
0: Delano, what I would say, I think, and and I'm open to being wrong about this, so push back if you disagree. I, I I don't I think a lot of these guys and women adopt these views and actually believe them, and it's because again, whereas your identity comes through Christ and obedience to the gospel their identity comes through Ben Franklin's mm. and obedience to whatever the dollar says. And so if the dollar says, hey, we're hopping on board with transvestites as high-profile high government officials and we're, uh, the dollar says you have to get on board with men who dress up as women and and men who compete against girls in sports, if the dollar says that, that's their gospel, and mm. and they look and again because I lived the experience where there's nobody in sports media that wouldn't tell you like, oh man, Whitlock, he's as cold as they come, and if he would have just said X, Y, and Z, he could be making fifteen million a year. Right. He's an idiot, and is and no one has been able to figure out know or, or acknowledge that it's like, I really, I'm not here to serve money, I, I'm really not. And, and even before I was more mature in my walk as a Christian, there was, the seeds were planted in me, through the church I grew up in, my grandmother or whatever, I was never going to be a slave to money. And so people look at the decisions I make, and they're baffled. Oh my God, he walked away from Speak for Yourself. Oh, he quit Outkick. Oh, he, and it's because I'm just sorry. I'm just not a slave to money. That's just not who I am. And these people are. Right. And so just how you believe in the gospel, they believe in the dollar. And so I think they honestly do believe. They oh. What do you mean you're not on board with transvestites? And, and you're the person with a problem. Don't you understand? The dollar has told us. Now, I know 10 years ago when the dollar told us transvestites were crazy, but the dollar mm-hmm. has rewritten scripture now and said transvestites are the, some of the most normal people in the world. And this guy that's uh, walking around uh, in drag with dogs chained up and probably got puppy's licking his balls, he's actually the same person and you're crazy.
2: So, so Jason, I, I would push back a little bit and I'll say, I'll say this, um, you, you may be a slave to money, but that doesn't mean you enjoy the labor, right? You're in it for the reward. I would know that these guys actually believed it if they were to actually put it to the test. If they really think that trans women are women. Let me see your Tinder profile. Right? <laughs> bring, br- bring Caitlin or, or Laverne Cox, whoever, to the ESPYs, and say, yeah, this is my new boo, because I really believe trans women are women. Advocate for LeBron when he retires to change his gender identity on game day and go play in the WNBA. But none of them would say that because they know that this is ridiculous. This is why everybody tries to keep the conversation in in the land of euphemisms and cliches, it's all about how you feel and how you identify, and so on and so on and so forth. But you you really have to 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 push the ball forward and and ask specific questions. If you think trans women are women, would you be willing to live your the rest of your life with with a trans woman as your mate? And if and if any of these guys, particularly the single ones, answer yes, then you can say, well, he's he's a true believer. But if they're just doing it because they don't want to get canned then then they are slaves to the dollar. But that doesn't mean they enjoy the labor. They they just want they don't want people like us to to bring up the fact that they're working in the fields because then they would be embarrassed, and they should be embarrassed. Grown men who do not understand or do won't acknowledge the difference between men and women should be embarrassed. The same thing for grown women. When when the Supreme Court justice Ketanji Brown Jackson uh, answer the question about what is a woman by saying, well, I don't know, I'm not a biologist, she should be embarrassed, right? Instead, our community ran cover for her and made it seem as if the question was absurd, but it's not, because more and more people have difficulty answering that question. So, I, I don't. I think some of them are true believers, the, the gullible ones, and, and to be quite frank, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, the majority of those people are, are the women, because they are just, generally speaking, their desire to make people feel included makes them more vulnerable to deception, but all of them are complicit in this, in this new wave. It's just that uh, Levine and Britton and Thomas, they are the impossible women pushing the new wave. And it's, it's so crazy because the, the second wave actually cannibalizes the first wave. So when we saw Macy Gray issue her apology the other day, th- th- think, think about the dynamic that's at play. You have a black woman Right, who was part of the first wave of DEI, get, you know, opening doors for other Black women in the music industry, and in the course of less than a week, she went from, you know, defining womanhood by biology to being a woman as a vibe. Why? Because she knows that there are a small number of white men who lay claim right now by identifying as woman as a woman. They lay claim to something that she's always had since she was born. And the way the hierarchy works is that uh, second wave DEI is what allows white men to reassert their dominance in the social structure and the social order. And Macy Gray understands that because all pack animals understand hierarchy. So when Sam Britton gets up and he pulls out the leather and the chains, Macy Gray knows what time it is. She, she relents, she heals, she sits, and she obeys.
0: D, I'm going to push back one more time. Okay. Because I, I, I literally was sitting here thinking the whole time. There is no slave that enjoys the labor. Mm. There are slaves that will do the labor. Okay. And, and that's, and so, uh, again, it's like, what's your mind thinks the body eventually becomes. And, and so the, the gospel of the dollar has told them that transvestites are good, and the whole transgender thing, and they're just women, and so their minds have gone there. And trust me, out in Hollywood and that TV, they're, go- they're put to the test mm. eventually. There will be a casting couch where they'll be put to the test. And you would be mm. shocked at what these slaves to the dollar will do and have done. And, and what part. T- Terry Crews, who I played football against in the Mid-American Conference, the, mm. the actor, muscled up guy, uh, mm. he talked about going to one of these parties and a gay executive grabbed him by the balls and mm-hmm. and he was all upset, and, and and he's not talking about something that rarely happens. They're running wild like that in California. He's the one that spoke up and objected to it, and yeah. it's because he and his wife actually have some Christian values and have stood on those. But it's not uncommon because again, that's who's in control out in Hollywood, and so. And again, I'm not, I'm not disparaging any, because there's a lot of these guys in the media industry sport that I got a lot of respect for and, and think a, a lot of. But they're slaves to the dollar, and when, when someone grabs their balls, you won't hear about it, uh, but it's gotten so crazy out there, mm-hmm. trust me, their balls is getting grabbed in, more, in ways that maybe they don't even know. But they're all being set up, and again, and when I hear him talking this way, I do hear a person like, "Oh, he'll swing that way." If you're mm-hmm. willing to talk it, eventually your body's going to find. And 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 they lay those traps. You know, again, Magic Johnson was my favorite athlete growing up, and I'm really sorry that I actually moved out to L.A. and figured out what L.A. was about and what all of that's mm-hmm. about. But they got so many traps for these athletes and these other guys, because they're all desperate for money. Because, and I got to be careful, because I don't want to be offensive, but when you, it's not like these guys are climbing the working ladder and they had to put all this work in. These guys are really physically gifted. 18, 19, 20 years ago, it rains money on them and all they know, wow, I'm really physically gifted, and I got this money rained on me. It, they're not Mugsy Bogues, they're not five foot six and had to spend every right. moment in the gym to, to get there. And then when it's over, when it's over, and particularly of certain generations, because they didn't, they made good money but they didn't make generational money, all they right. know is they got to get them dollars again. And you would be shocked at what they're willing to do and say to get that money. Uh, so no slave enjoys the labor, but
2: so, slaves will do the labor. <laughs> can I can I, can I, can I respond real quick? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so I'll, I'll say this, and and, and and just this is to bring it full circle, particularly in the spiritual realm, right? Because this second wave DEI, whether you look at it as part of a cultural war, um, or or some other type of battle, it really it's it's a it's a spiritual battle, and and second wave DEI is the commercialization of psychological warfare, right? And as a, as a Christian, I understand that when I was enslaved to my sin, I liked it. That's why I wanted to stay, right? So, and that's the reason that even after a person is, is converted and re- regenerate, that's why they battle. That's why the spirit battles with the flesh, because the things that you were in bondage to, you actually like. Now, it's different, and that, this is why I, I try not to make comparisons to act to chattel slavery, because that's, that's a, a slavery of a different kind. But when the Bible talks about being slave to your sin, whether that's the, the drug or the drink or the, or the women or the men, depending on, again, whether you hit from the left or the right or switch hit, all of those things are things that people like and enjoy. And, and the enemy knows exactly what we like and enjoy, which is why we are tempted by the things that we like or enjoy. He doesn't send drugs to an alcoholic, right? He doesn't. Jason, you, you, you've talked about your your struggle with with food and gluttony over the years. He, he's not sending you impossible meat and tofu. He's sending you the Big Macs and, and, and the, the fish filet sandwiches. So it's one of those things where the wages of sin is, uh, are, are death. And, and what we're seeing is a society that's crumbling and dying because we are enslaved to these things. And second wave DEI um, seeks to, to push that ball even further because now we can't even define basic concepts. And even if you're a person who doesn't agree with it, all of us have been pushed in a certain direction by it because you find yourself having to, to double check Right, there's a certain hitch when you go to speak and you say, okay, a trans man is a is that a woman or a man and there's a he or a she. All of those things add to the demoralization of a particular culture. And, and that is why these people have advanced so quickly, because when a people are demoralized and they're fearful, they're easier to control. And the same thing with Christians. When, when you're battling your flesh and you hear that voice saying, God, I never, his, his, God don't love you. How could he love you? Look at the things you've done. Look at, look at the, the, the things you've said and thought and believed over the course of your life. Bow down and worship me. I'll, I'll show you what real love feels like. And that's the battle that Christians have to face on a daily basis. But you, you have to know where your help comes from. You have to know the source of your foundation to be able to stand firm. Because if not, the, 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 whatever wave we're in, whatever the ideology is, is going gonna, is gonna to knock you over. And it can't come from politics because the liberals have become libertine and the conservatives don't know what they're conserving. Because even Fox News is running specials during quote-unquote Pride Month celebrating the transition of a, of a young child. And they see that as, as progress. So it really does come down to whether we as a culture and a people will submit to Christ or submit to chaos. And it's really that simple.
0: Thank you, D. Uh Thank great you, way to wrap up the show. Uh, I hear tomorrow. That means we'll see you uh, tomorrow.
3: Waiting for the coming off the for freedom Looking for a breakout Feeling like a off, Nothing in life Like freedom Came like a fighter Striking like a ladder Making all this moves For freedom I want freedom no negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on a corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving, all when We all wanna be free. We want freedom.